Good morning, church. I hope you're doing really well this morning. Thank you for joining with us for Church Online. It's a real privilege to be speaking with you this morning, and I just pray that God really speaks to you as we worship and hear his word together. A little bit later on, uh, we'll be continuing our Encounters with Jesus series. And this week, uh, I've invited my mum to come and speak with me um, about one of those encounters. So please do stick around for that. Um, let's just worship um, God this morning. Let's just start by drawing our attention on, on, onto him. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can worship you, Lord. And with everything that's going on in the world right now, we just pray now that you would just keep our focus on you, our attention on you as we worship you together this morning. Thank you, God. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory. The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Failing love That 
pancakes on tuesday for uh, pancake day um, we've now started lent so um, if you are fasting during this lent period if you've given something up you've given up chocolate for example uh we'll be we'll be praying for you uh, that's really great that you've decided to um give up something but uh, we also just want to encourage you what can we give back to god um we've all been given so much from god so I just really really encourage you what can you give back to god during this this season um even if it's just five minutes of your day just to pray um, I just really encourage you to do that. And as a church, we really feel like God's calling us to a time of prayer. Um, we've got some great opportunities um, to pray um, over the over the Lent period. So um, from next Saturday, um, from um, the 12th of March, from midday to midday on Sunday, uh, the 13th of March, we'll be having our 24 hours of prayer. Um, we're meeting together at the URC building on Rother Street. Um, and we're just going to spend 24 hours in prayer, um, lifting him up. Uh, and lifting up God to our families, friends, neighbours, churches, towns, and the world. Um, you can just turn up any time to pray, but there's also um, a website where you can register for an hour slot. So if you can commit to a, a time over those 24 hours, we really encourage you to sign up. Um, also what's going on from next Wednesday, the 9th of March, um, Stratford Churches Together are starting a five-week uh, Lent course together on unanswered prayer. So sometimes we call out to God, sometimes we, uh, we're in desperate situations, we're really suffering, and we feel like God's distant, we feel like our prayers are going on unanswered. Um, and um, if that sounds like you, or if you've been through that previously, um, and you just need some encouragement, you just need to see what um, God's uh, situation side of the situation um, and just everything that he has in store for you. Um, I'd really, really encourage you to um, attend this course. Um, it's going to be on Wednesday evenings at 7.30pm on Zoom, uh, starting this Wednesday for the next five Wednesdays. So really, really encourage you. Um, of course, we just continue to pray for the Ukraine. Um, sometimes it's really, really easy um, to read the news and just be get ourselves into a state of despair. Um, so this week, um, I just encourage you to um, pray the news, put on your sort of your holy glasses um, as you're reading the news um, and just to see things through God's eyes, his love for his people. Um, his ability, uh, his sovereignty over all things. Um, and just as you're reading the news this week, um, if there's names of politicians or leaders pops out, um, just pray for them. If you hear about people that have been killed, just pray for them and their families. If you pray for people that have been displaced, just pray for them. Just encourage us um, to just pray over the situation in the Ukraine this week. Um, but right now, um, we're continuing our um, encounters with Jesus this week. Um, uh, really, really uh, enjoyed uh, this one. So um, this is an encounter where Jesus, uh, Jesus's mother and his brothers come to visit him and he's in the middle of teaching. 
and and he just uses this as a great um, opportunity just to share um, his wisdom and to as a teaching moment. Um, and so I just thought I'd bring um, my mum into this. Uh, mum has been a Christian for a long time, and she just had some great um, uh, insight as being a mum herself, uh, but also just yeah, unpacking sort of a family life together. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this. So we're looking at this verse where Jesus is visited by his uh, mother and brothers. And I thought, who else, uh, who would be best to unpack this verse with than my own uh, mum? So, yeah, mum, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi there. Um, My name is Patricia Howe. Uh, Yes, I am Philip's mum. And yes, and I will call him Philip. uh, uh, Yes, I'm currently living in Stockfold. But we, my husband and I, we do visit OCC regularly. Uh, it's a shame we haven't been up recently, obviously, because of the pandemic. But, uh, you know, we do know and, and love the church in Stratford. And we're so grateful that Phil and Jess have found a, a lovely church home there. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and I just thought um, this uh, the passage that we're about to read is um, really, really important to me. I think it. Um, I was reading um, some of the encounters of Jesus. We're looking at encounters of Jesus and what we can learn from that at the moment. And it just struck me. It was quite a small passage, but. I think there's quite a lot to unpack here. So um, I'll start off by, by reading the, the passage in Matthew and we can dive straight in. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. But whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I mean, what a great verse. But, you know, first off, I finally got an excuse not to answer your calls, mum. You know, just say I'm with my with my real uh, you know, brothers and mothers at the moment. I can <laughs> deny your call. And uh, yeah, God, Jesus told me to do it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this is quite an interesting in passage in that. Um, we quite overlook um, Jesus's uh, earthly relationships you know, with his family, with his disciples. And so I think there's actually something really rich from this passage, just in terms of how he deals with people. And there's just a lot to learn here. But, you know, that's not just in his interactions that we learn something because he, he, he does something else in this passage where he invites those not of the Jewish faith in, which I think is, is really, really interesting. Um, do you think there is something um, countercultural about what Jesus is doing in this passage? Well, yes, because he was obviously expected to um, acknowledge the presence of his mum and his family at that point. Mm. Um, why would they have interrupted him in the middle of talking to the crowd? It seems quite strange that they would just walk up to the crowd and say, hang on a sec, you know, we take priority here. Um, and it, it just, it baffles me in a way because it's quite, not what you'd expect. I was wondering who would be guiding that group of people. Was it was it his brothers guiding? Was was his mum actually have wanted to speak to him when he had when he was holding an audience? Mm. It doesn't seem quite very mum friendly. It seems more like brother friendly. So, well, who does he think he is? You know, he um, they may not have taken too kindly to him having such a crowd around him. I don't know, but uh, yeah. that's yeah. that's my initial reading. That's my initial thoughts yeah. on from the passage. It says elsewhere that, you know, at that time, Jesus's brothers didn't believe um, who, who he was and he, that he was the Messiah. And so um, at this time, they're probably still wrestling with that. We, we sort of we know that James later on um, did obviously believe and sort of uh, take on church leadership responsibilities. 
there is something you know um mary's obviously a matriarch she's going to have a big presence and they're you know they might be sort of doing that on her behalf you know saying you know his mum's here you know let her through and we want to speak to him as well and um, yeah it's it is interesting and you know someone to actually interrupt the the rabbi teaching you know there's only a, a limited number of circumstances and we quite see clearly here that within the jewish culture you know his mum coming was worth the interruption and it's also interesting that both matthew and luke record this occasion and they had obviously had their both they had would have had their reasons for including it in their gospel mm. Matthew from a Jewish perspective and Luke from a Gentile perspective. They yeah. both included it in their accounts, which I think is significant. And what do we see, like initially from Jesus's response here, I think I, what I'm, for me that I don't see from it is that Jesus rejects his family at all. You don't see, it's, it's not stated that, okay, then he, he moved away, he, you know, he brushed them off. I think what Jesus is, is doing here instead is using um their arrival and their questioning and the interruption as a teaching moment as you know quite often that jesus did he used everyday occurrences um often flipped expectations on their head as a as a way uh, as a teaching tool i think this is just like perfect example of this i don't think we can read here that you know jesus was rejecting his family he was just saying you know the, the status quo is that the family you know family is more important than anything and here he is he's you know te teaching something very important and is saying that there is something more important in this moment than my mother and my brothers coming to see me and speaking uh, to I me. totally agree with you yes I think we need to get beyond black and white thinking hmm. we need to tip things that way so definitely black and white thinking we need to tip it as greater shout thinking so the priorities will shuffle and will change I think that's more helpful way of looking at it. No, I don't think he was rejecting his family. He was just saying, as you said, there's another agenda here. And and um, the will of his father was the higher agenda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't like the translation where it says whoever hates their family. Mm. Some translations use the word hate, which I don't think is terribly helpful. Um, it's really a prioritizing of the of the of you know attitudes and values and seeing things slightly differently to how they had done before. Mm, yeah 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 absolutely we've um in our gospel communities we've been recently looking at the wedding at cana um mm -hmm. i think there's something that you know something that tripped my memory when reading this verse about the wedding in cana it's got you know very similar um structure you know um mary coming to jesus and saying we've run out of wine jesus what it worked you know mary didn't ask anything but he you know she came to jesus and you know and and approached him um and we initially see like a, a reluctant Jesus or Jesus saying, you know, my time's not yet come. You know, I don't want to necessarily perform a, a huge public miracle and the attention and the scrutiny and, you know, eventually leading up to his death that would bring um, prematurely in Jesus's eyes. Um, but then we see Jesus as an act of love, in my, in my opinion, as an act of love to his mum, you know, perform the miracle and um avoid the social rejection and the humiliation of running out of wine at a wedding which is just just not the done thing and you know, there is a real human moment there where where you know in my, from what i'm reading i see jesus you know doing something for his mum doing something for his family doing something for his earthly community yes. uh, which is wonderful to see and you know clearly we see jesus um honoring his father and mother here it's like it's you know, following the commandment to the letter and it's a really really like wonderful um example of that and i think you can't take any one story in isolation. So you, again, that just adds more fuel to the fact that Jesus isn't rejecting his family here. And you can see, you know, his first miracle, he chooses to do 
bring things forward slightly because of his mum. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. It's a wonderful moment. It is a really good moment. And obviously, Mary had been pondering things in her heart for over 30 years. Um, and, and I think it's a good moment to think of actually the, the, the fruit of her ponderings, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, it's a lovely yeah. moment, and it's also a genuine moment. You know, I mean, there's a lot of scepticism. I'm, I'm, I feel quite passionate about teaching in the church about, um, you know, the authenticity of the gospel records, and you get a moment like that, and you couldn't write the script. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, precisely. Um, does something that I've, I've been wrestling from this, you know. Some, sometimes family comes up against church, you know, where do I put my prioritization? And I've been wrestling this as a new father, you know, I've got a huge amount of demands in my time. I want to yeah. spend a lot of time with my family. I've got a very sort of demanding day job. Um, how do I balance my priorities and, you know, invest enough time and energy into my earthly family versus, you know, what I contribute to the church, how much I put time into the church. Um yes. And I've seen, you know, some close friends of mine have really wrestled with this, especially those with sort of non-believing families where that juxtaposition is even greater because, you know, I have the benefit and, you know, I'm so blessed that I can take my family to church. And when you come and visit, for example, we can all come to church together and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's I'm not having to make that decision either or then I can do mm -hmm. both. And I'm, I'm very, very blessed to be able to do that. But I've seen friends that don't have ex like uh, Christian extended families and that is a real, you know, difficult decision. And, you know, some uh, very long-term friends of ours, that was a huge thing um, when my friend was gr growing up. You know, she um, wasn't always able to attend all the church events. She had that decision that she had to make. And, you know, if she made, you know, the, the wrong decision in her family's eyes of investing in church, you know, that she had then had, uh, you know, repercussions, social repercussions to deal with after that, which is really, really sad to mm -hmm. see. Um, as I like, I like to remind you that you're you're old uh, and you're uh, beyond your time. But I'm sure there's lots of wisdom that you can bring to this conversation. Um, what so when 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 I was younger uh, and um, my my brother brother and sister were younger, what was it what was it like for you? Did you find that that difficulty and that prioritization? I slightly different being female, being the being your mum rather than your dad. I think it's a conversation you could have with your dad as well, because I think, you know, being the uh, being Phoebe's dad and Jess's husband, that is a different scenario. Mm. I had to give up my career to mm. raise my children. And, and I had to support a husband who had an um, important job, who was away out of the country quite a lot. Um, I don't know if you remember sending him pictures and faxing them to him when he was in a hotel yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so I tried to be that stable influence at home and then he'd come home and go out to elders meetings or church meetings. Mm. Um, and it was difficult and there's no easy answer. I think each family unit have to make those decisions for themselves. I think the church family shouldn't be putting pressure on those of us who have got non-Christian family, non-Christian friends. Uh, they shouldn't be put pressure on them to be at church, to be seen every Sunday. Mm. I think there are, you, you know, we need to see the big picture and church is family. Church is not just, uh, it's, it's perhaps easier for you to recognize that church isn't just being in the building mm -hmm. um, because you don't have a building of your own. Mm -hmm. We, we have a building of our own and we try to remind ourselves that it's church without walls. It's being family. Right. It's being, you know, we are church when we're out doing our daily job. So from that point of view, you take the pressure off yourself from actually having to be seen the whole time. And so you have, I think, 
each of us has to pray before God. What is our ministry? What's my ministry to my family? Uh, years ago, I came across this quite sharply when I was talking to a lady who's got um, Christians in their, her husband's family were Christians, but they weren't. Mm. And she was angry that her Christian relations didn't spend more time with them because they were doing church stuff. And that made me sit up and take notice. I re it really did shock me that actually she was hurting because of the, the, the influence of her Christian family uh, had on her. And, and I thought that was quite sad. But yes, actually, that's a wake up call. We need to be kind to our non-Christian family as well as try to get the balance right with things with, with church family. And we have to decide that, you know, before God for ourselves. And who else better to witness to and to invest time into, into than our earthly family? You know, if um, we've got non-Christian, uh, non-Christians in our earthly family, like there's there's opportunity there. You know, it's not not big, scary mission where we have to go out from our context and out from our country. Sometimes it's right there on our doorstep and we've got those existing relationships. Why not choose to invest in those del deliberately um, and you know pray for those in our families that don't know Jesus, um, and you know, as a as a as a first step, um, I'm interested. Now that we're adults or adults, uh, is, is that change for you at all? Your sort of view of family versus church is that is that now different now that you know? Well, I've, I've still made a note that when I paid all that money to you when you're at college, and I kept saying it was not great on the old people's home. I still uh, got that written down in writing. I forgot about that. <laughs> I think as an I um I actually find it quite interesting that um. The, for the from the Bible perspective, um, that you've got the the family, the husband leaving the the husband is the the center of the family, and the, the wife has to leave her family. So when the Bible says that uh, you know uh, a husband has to leave his family and cleave to his wife, that is redressing the balance. We sometimes take that um, at face value and say actually that it's just the husband's responsibility. In actual fact, it was to rebalance the status quo of the time that the wife, think about the patriarchal women, mm. they left their family and probably never saw them again. Mm. had to fit in with her husband's family um, and mother-in-law, et cetera, et cetera, um, and fit in with them. Whereas there's a heart, there's a, there's a heart instruction towards the men to say, you, although you're still living with your family, you have to leave, emotionally leave them and attach yourself to your wife. Mm. I think... It, it's quite um, it's quite something to bring up your children knowing they're going to leave home and actually spend more time with somebody else than than, than with you. And that's the heart-wrenching part of being a parent. You know you're preparing yourself and them for that moment, but it has to happen. And in a healthy, uh, you know, parent-child relationship sets that in, you know, in motion right from the word go. I can remember bringing Richard home from the hospital and sobbing my heart out thinking, I can't do this. This, this responsibility is too big. Mm. I had to ask God to help me to do that. Yeah, uh, and with each of the three of you, um, you know, the same thing, same cycle went through, you know, giving them, giving them away. We, our children are not ours to own. We don't own them. We look after them. We're super, we, we, we supervise them, nurture them, love them, support them and teach them godly values. But we never own them. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to give them away. So when you left home here to go to uni, I knew that was you leaving home for, mm. for good. Because when you came back, when you visited us or you'd got your degree and you wanted to stay in the in the area that you, you Midlands where you'd fallen in love with, 
Um, and that was before you met Jess. You know, you decided you want to settle there. I just knew that was where your future was going to be. Mm. And that had to sit with me, you know, whatever I'm going through in that, I couldn't let, I couldn't burden you with that. It had to set you free for your own future. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely felt that. And I think I think it's just, uh, again, it's, it's very similar to what Mary's going through here. But, you know, I think the stakes with Mary is so much higher and like having obviously quite a lot of pressure and what yeah. the angel has told her, what she knows about Jesus, her son, you know, that, that is, it's that same feeling that you've felt magnified a hundredfold. It's, you know, how do I then raise this person who is the Messiah, who is the son of God? What responsibility? And I think you can appreciate Mary's view a lot in this story and in the encounters with Jesus, you know, from Absolutely. a perspective, it's very, very powerful. Yes. Very, very powerful. Uh, I think it's what's coming to me, you know, most out of this is that, you know, we've seen that Jesus doesn't doesn't reject his family, but he then he has a greater, greater shout, like you said, a greater call. It's not an either. It's not an either or. God isn't forcing us to make a decision here. Um, You know, we have to look at, you know, what the purpose of family is and why God chose to give us that gift of family as as that family unit. Mm-hmm. regardless of, of who is physically you know, in that in that family unit um as as a vehicle for um you know prosperity and you know the raising of children and you know the r- rationale for god to give that to us as a gift yes and um you know in that time again talking about overcorrection sometimes we think we can read what jesus says and it's very much like oh this is quite an extreme position that jesus is taking but without knowing the wider jewish context sometimes he's trying to bring people back into the middle or saying something um you know provoking to again as a teaching moment you yeah. know within the jewish culture at the time family was everything you know what else did they have in common other than their you know father abraham their common common um, ancestor that was their identity that was part of their their culture and you know, Jesus here is saying, you know, yes, family is important, but I'm actually saying something else here. I'm using this as a, as a teaching moment. And and I think, you know, in the same way where where Jesus is saying, these are my my mothers and brothers and sisters, we're called to do the same thing. We are called to extend our fam- our earthly family, reg- you know, regardless of who that is, to those around us, to our Christian brothers and sisters, to those that don't know Jesus yet. It's you know, and in those. In our churches, we have this model of spiritual parents and grandparents. And I know you've, sp- you've, you've spoken to those who are really influential in your upbringing as spiritual parents. And yes. yeah, I think I've just I've, I've learned from that as growing up. I think that's that church's family is really, really important. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, this is what we're doing in gospel communities at this moment. You know, we, we're, we say we're family on mission. Um, and I think that's, it's just really, really important to say this is, yeah, again, this is a continuation of that. It's what Jesus is saying. It's not definitely not an either or. Yes, that's, that's good. I agree. I think, do you think that there is, there is, we talk about the greatest shout though. So there's obviously, we know that family is important. We know that, that, that there is something more here. I think there is something that those without an earthly family, um, whether that um, is by choice or by not or not, or whether there is, you know, this um, been separation or perhaps a non-Christian um, family that we, you know, we've fall, fall, fallen out with, yeah. that there is God um, looks at that and in his grace and his mercy um, gives us a lot there. And I'm, I was just reminded, you know, Paul advised people not to marry to, to focus on God because then you're you know you are distracted. You've got, am I going to please God or am I going to please my husband or wife? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then just reading a passage in Mark, Mark 10, um, 29 to 30, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. It's just a fantastic passage. It's very rich. But again, it's very, very difficult. It's like, I don't want to leave my family to do that. And I, you know, and I deliberately chose to marry Jess, create, start a family. That was something natural. And it's all something that, that I always wanted. For me, I, I never had like made that decision in like in my head. It was just something that I just knew that I wanted to do. And um, Paul, Paul says that, but he says some gifts for some others, others give other gifts for others. And I'm just reminded of uh, Mike Pilavachi, who's very sort of um, important to me, is very foundational. You know, I went to Soul Survivor every year. Um, yeah. Luckily, it's wonderful. As a single um, Christian leader who deliberately chose not to marry, just the way that God has given him, he's got so many Godchildren now, it's just like uncountable the number of Godchildren mm-hmm. that he has. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, just how God has repaid him for that, you know, that, that decision that he made and that sacrifice that he made. It's just wonderful to see. It's, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. I think that choice, that has to be a choice from somebody rather than enforced on them by state religion. Um, I think that's, yeah, it, it is a choice that has to come. And I think the church is historically quite poor at welcoming those who, you know, it, it's the old joke of the 2.4 children family, yeah. you know, mum 2.4 children. I think those days are well and truly gone. But we still seek to see people in natural families. Um, And my concern is for those who are not typical. Um, I was brought up by a a single parent mum and that in the 60s, that was really quite something. Mm. So in the 60s, there was just my mum and me. And it might... um, you might be quite shocked to find out that the council wouldn't give us accommodation until my mum's divorce came through. As a, as a married woman, they wouldn't actually give her accommodation. Um, and it was really, really hard. So, and, the, and I was also ostracised by my, um, the, the teachers at school because of the fact that my, my, my parents were divorced. They didn't quite know what to make of me. So it was difficult. And I, and I really do feel for the families who don't feel that they fit. Somehow we, we want to normalise you know family life and none of us are normal in a healthy sense we are all a bit odd and we all have you know some of us have got blended families some of us have got um step parents or stepchildren Uh, and we just need to be mindful of the love and the care they need as well in family life yeah and and we've just got to you know ask god for guidance each step of the way yeah i think i think you're right that sometimes the church romanticizes nuclear family and it you know this is like the only way and it's just it's not true at all and you know we have a job to be in, in welcoming um and also establishing that wider church family um and i think it's interesting i think something that i even i fall into sometimes is that passage that i, um, I read out um from mark is um where jesus is talking to about the rich young ruler um and ian um preached on this um a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and um it's talking about just the one thing. What's the one thing that's going to stop you from following Jesus? From you know, take, from you know, taking up your cross and following Him. And I think you know, sometimes it, it's it's easier to preach. You know, oh, money. You know, money is evil. Like don't, don't the love of money is evil. Don't follow that. And then it's very difficult to say. But also, you can also view your family can be a barrier to you following Jesus. That's very difficult to say because families, you know, seen as good. 
um, as a as a good thing, as a gift from God. Um, um, but you know, we we see here, you know, there are challenges where sometimes the fam- your family can be an idol to you, and it can stop you from following God. And and I think and, you know, I fall into that all the time. You know, sometimes I, I you know I don't want to do go to a prayer evening or whatever. I don't want to give God my time because I want to spend time with my family. I'm not always making the, the best decision in those and in, in those moments. You do feel you. you- you do have to remember that actually uh, being with your family is also God time. It's not yeah, just, yeah, you, you can't make that separation. Um, that, uh, you know, I mean, this is why I gave up my career to look after three three children. Because, and I, and I you know, do put that down on my resume now, that actually for 10 years I was a full-time mum. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, very valid because I was bringing up three children who are now adults. And and I hope, to, hope and pray that, you know, I brought them up to the best you know, best well, best I could do at the time. Well, I'm great. So you know, one, one out of three is not bad. Interesting, you said that. Three months of it. No, I do agree. I, I just think, yeah, sometimes we're, it's easy to invest only in our earthly families, and that is is a good thing, and God can work in that, as like as you say, but. Um, in some sense, those earthly families are temporary, where we've also got the, the greater call into God's church, which is eternal. And so sometimes, you know, we are, um, I think it's right to view those things in their proper place, try and bring them together as much as possible, but ultimately we need to give God the position. And um, I just want to read out um, the, the the version of this in Luke. I think there's some really interesting things here um, to read out mm-hmm. from this, this um, encounter. So this is Luke 8, uh, verses 19 to 21. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And I just, yeah, I was reading this, this version of this encounter and just drawn by the words to hear, hear the word of God and do it. Yes. Do we, uh, this sort of uh, language of hearing, where else, where else do we see this in the Bible? Well, I think that, that to me that's, I really found this really helpful um, because, you know, the, you know, the old joke, you know, you take a text out of context and you're left with a con and you really do have to see how this sits. And we, we sometimes romantic, as you say, romanticize stuff about the Bible and we romanticize, you know, these biblical authors picking up their quill and just starting at the beginning and finishing at the end. In actual fact, the structure, a lot of thought has been put into the structure and we can, um, y- you know, we can look at the structure of the Gospels and the structure itself te- teaches us a lot. And this particular passage does come in between bits where Jesus is talking about listening. Um, he talks about the wind and the waves obeying him in the calming of the storm. But before that, yeah. in verse um the verse 18 it says then pay attention how you listen and that follows on from the parable of the sower um and the types of response people gave um and to me it speaks of the the daily prayer of the jew which was is called the shema and it comes from deuteronomy deuteronomy chapter six and i'll just i'll just read this out to you um it says hear o israel The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your might. And he goes on to talk about reciting them to your children, talking about them when you're in the street. Um, But it starts off by saying, hear, O Israel. And I really do believe that the um, Hebraic understanding of that here comes from here and being obedient. Yeah. 
the two are sandwiched, the two are stuck together. Um, you know, we in our Western Gentile mindset, we've separated hearing and being obedient. And you only have to look at the evidence for that. I, I think the obvious evidence of that is in how we have split um, what we what we hear Paul saying in Romans about faith is by faith alone. And then we read in James, we read about faith without works is dead. Mm. And we see a tension and a problem. In actual fact, the faith alone bit that comes from Luther's own struggles with the church and he was crying out to God saying, well, what do I have to do to be saved? Yeah. And the answer came to him, nothing. You can't, you can't earn your salvation. The Catholic church was insisting that you had to pay for your salvation or you had to do things, you were in the system and that, that system took you on a journey. An actual fact through Paul's work um, writings, um, you know, we, we find that it's by faith alone. And James, we tend to think that James is separating this by saying, you know, faith without works is dead. But actually, if you look at the Shema, hear, O Israel, you're hearing and you're responding. There has to be a response to our listening. It has to be active. Our hearing is consolidated. Our listening is consolidated by what we do. And that demonstrates that we've heard. And I think that's I think that is the message that Jesus is, is saying loud and clear. And I, I would like to think that if we'd been in the crowd at that time and heard Jesus say, you know, what are your listening skills like? Are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you being obedient? That for me um, is why he says, whoever does the will of my father, because this is sandwiched within a bit with 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 the listening skills being really important. So. The crux of this for me is, am I doing the will of my heavenly father? Am I really listening to what he's telling me to do through his word? Do I listen and am I obedient? And, and the, the promise for me in this verse, these verses are that if I do the will of my heavenly father, I will be like his brother, sister, mother. And that is incredibly powerful, incredibly precious. Mm. It's, a, it's such a, a really rich invitation, isn't it? And it's not it's not without its without its uh, prerequisites but yeah it's it's so it's so powerful and it, it, you know being part of that family just as if we are part of his earthly family which what jesus yeah. is saying here yes. it's just such a wonderful invitation we reminded this week um in one of our devotions that you know jesus came jesus is knocking at our door we, we're the ones that have to open it but he's there first he came first and inviting us first the invitation mm. from jesus is there first mm. and it's uh, I like what you've drawn out there in terms of that, you know, the listening and the obeying are, are the one one thing. They're, you know, they're, they're part of that together. And again, that just comes to me as part of the Jewish um, culture. That would have just been accepted. Obviously, obedience is a, is a huge thing, respecting your your father, father and mother. And um, yeah, following following those instructions, those commands, you know, things that they were, that instruction is so important to them that they wore it on their on their head and on their, on their yes. arm, close to their heart. It's yeah, it's very very powerful, and sometimes without that context, like you say, we just miss that that imagery and that picture. It's it's really really important, and that's why it's important to act to, to wrestle together to do you know you know discussions, house groups, life groups, call them what you will, but to actually um, discuss what that looks like in practice. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're going to end up you know the same position as Saul. You know, I love that. <laughs> that passage where it says, is this a beating of sheep I hear? Mm. Um, when, you know, he was instructed to kill the sheep and he didn't. And, you know, we end up making the, the 
making up the law ourselves, we ended up we end up kind of deciding what is obedience for ourselves. Oh, that will do. That that's good enough. Um, I mean, being obedient by doing such and such, and actually, we're not really listening to what God's saying to us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, that's 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 important. What I think is good to close on here is is just just to pause on that invitation from Jesus again. It's it's important that again, there's no criteria there to be Jewish. So again, you know, this is quite an important thing that Jesus is saying here. Um, that I'm sure a lot of people at the time would have missed because they wouldn't have assumed that Gentiles were included in that. But it is whoever whoever does it and you know whoever listens to Jesus and obeys him. That's the like that's the only criteria, and that just through that you know belief in Jesus and who he is and Jesus, we get to be part of Jesus's family just as if it is earthly. I think it's really really important and just like the the amazing grace and just what we get from that is just can't be. Um, can't be uh, overstated I, th- I just think it's yeah it's wonderful well you've got the patriarchal promise in genesis 12 when you know um abraham was promised uh, that that his descendants would be, would um would would transcend um numbers with that number and it was it's just an amazing thing to think that all nations would come under that but of course the the, the jews were expecting at the time of jesus uh, and they still do now to a certain degree they expect that to happen through them mm. It's a natural fact what Jesus is saying is that that's that's not the case. And, you know, anybody who does the will, who is obedient, does the will of his father in heaven is his brother, mother or sister. Um, and that is really significant. And I think that's what the early church had to wrestle with. Yeah. It caused lots of arguments, lots of division, lots of issues. Um, as the church, the early church made a break from Judaism and had to stand on its own two feet independently. And yeah, it feels very, very timely for us as we're, as a church, we're stepping out into gospel communities. We are going against, you know, um, ex- accepted church customs. And it's, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a wonderful time, but we're just, we're, 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 we're doing it because we're being obedient to God. We feel like that's what God's um, telling us. So I think it's, it's really, really timely that this, um, we're looking at this encounter and just seeing how Jesus, Jesus has taught us to do it. So um, no, thank you, Mum. I, I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, we wish you all the very best uh, in what you're doing, what you're achieving in Stratford, and we look forward to being with you soon, as soon as we can. It'll be lovely. Brilliant. Thanks, Mum. God bless.
Guys, I hope that spoke to you this morning. And if there's anything that you want to unpack from um, that um, that discussion, I uh, just encourage you to reach out to your gospel community leaders um, and just ask them to pray for you. Um, if there's anything that stirred up within you, anything that you're unsure about, please do reach out to them. I'm sure they'd love to speak with you and pray with you um, as we reach out to God uh, about our families. Um, and as gospel communities are meeting today, um, I just pray for that. Um, amazing opportunity to meet together as God's family and I just pray that um, God will bless those precious times together. Um, if you're not in a gospel community I just encourage you to reach out to someone else in the church family today and just go spend some time with them, go go for a coffee somewhere and let's just bless one another together and share what God's given to us. Uh, let me just end with this prayer. 
Jesus, thank you that you invited us into your family. Thank you that you have adopted us, promised your inheritance to us, and loved us enough to die for us. Lord, we thank you for our earthly families, whatever they may look like. And Lord, we thank you for our church family in Stratford-on-Avon and around the world. Amen. Guys, have a blessed rest of your day.